Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 221 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Uh, it's Patrick here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's Justin, the professor, Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Justin, uh, how's your week? How's your week? Uh, it's been long. I'm ready for Friday. Work's been busy. <laughs> I'm right there with you, although I tomorrow I have tomorrow off, so today is my Friday. It must be nice. I know, and I got uh, A&W for dinner, which is always a nice little treat. That's nice. Uh, double matzahs. That's What's the only your order? Go. That's, that's the only thing I get on A&W is either just a single or a double matzah. I can't. That's that's your A&W's order? Yeah, I can't do it. I like the bacon and eggers for breakfast, but for burgers, it's just matzah burger or bust. Double matzahs? Yep. Yeah. That's a shit right there. I yes, love sir. it. Delicious. Yeah, it was a good week, man. I started watching. I'll tell you this. Uh, we, we don't. I know we talk a lot about TV and shit on uh, this podcast. I'm just going to say this. I started watching that 90s show. It dropped today, and uh, I'm already uh, more than one episode in. I'll say that. And uh, <laughs> I like it. I think it's great. It You get a little bit of the, of the old characters. Most of it is the new cast and it's not just like oh it's all the children of all the characters it's not really like that at all um and, and you get a lot of red and kitty foreman so that's it's great it's it's a lot of fun i if there's something cringe or, or lame about it i'm not seeing it so i'm enjoying it it makes me happy that's good yeah it's as good long stuff as you enjoy it that's all that really matters right it's true, and if you enjoy what we do here at Bat Flips and Maple Dips, you can go ahead, follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast, website bfmdpodcast.com. We're on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this past episode was our most listened to episode ever. I think the people like Brandon Belt. Yeah, um, if it, it's got to be that, I think. But I mean, <laughs> it's our all time number one all time li- most yeah. listened to episode. Uh, and it, after only seven days, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening to the show. Yes. Um, it's flying further and faster than I ever thought. But I, I mean, we've been doing this for five years. I had no idea. I had no idea. So this is amazing. Feels really good. Uh, it's not a brag. It's a thank you for, yes. for listening. We've got a lot to talk about today. We're saying happy retirement to a player uh, that we like quite a bit. Uh, we're going to talk about arbitration. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of players like we're excited. Arbitration, am I right? <laughs> oh, God damn it! You ruined my transitions for that. That was it. Was it was worth it? I I, I have zero regrets. Oh my god! All right. Well, whatever. We're going to talk about three players that we are excited about in the organization each. We're going to keep that one short and sweet. It'll be exciting. It'll be interesting. Uh, We're in the dead of winter now, so there's really not that much news. Nothing sexy and exciting anyway. But uh, let's say happy retirement to one of our favorites, uh, uh, favorite players who have ever played the game uh, out of the, like, 26,000 who have played in MLB. He is certainly one of them. He is certainly one of them. Uh, Justin, grip that wheel. Yes, sir. Uh, Tell after, me what's up. 
a long and successful baseball career, David Phelps has announced that he has retired from baseball. Um, 10 MLB seasons for him. He played on a handful of teams, couple stints with the Blue Jays, of course, uh, was traded in uh, 20, was 2019, I believe, to the Cubs and then came back uh, a couple years later. So, no, nice to see David Phelps going out on top. Um, last year, he had a really good season. He had season-ending surgery in 2021 and then came back and threw 65 appearances to a 283 ERA. So he went out in style. Um, I was kind of surprised to see him retire, but, I mean, I guess when, you, when you're ready, you're ready. And it's better to go out, in my opinion, when you're still performing well than to wait until nobody wants your services anymore. So happy trails, David Phelps, and hope he enjoys his retirement. Yeah, he knew uh, uh, around the end of last year that it was his last year. He hit that 10-season service time, which means uh, does he not get his pension? Uh, yeah. He gets his full MLB pension, which is great for yep. him. We love this that. was his most innings pitched since 2017. Um, so it was a big year for him. He had a good season. He had a 2.83 ERA. Uh, he looked great. I enjoyed uh, seeing him out there. He got a set of uh, his fair share of jams. He finishes his career with, uh, according to baseball reference, $20.8 million in salary. That's pretty terrific. Yeah. For a relief pitcher, um, that's excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for him for retirement. Can't wait to see what's next. He's 36 years old, same age as me. I think I'm a little bit older, and I don't have $20 million earned. So, <laughs> Damn. I know it's it's apples to oranges, but, I mean, still, <laughs> great career. Um, I think last year – no, it wasn't his best season, but it was his second best season. Uh, his best season was 2016 with Miami. Um, just a, a, a good player to have in the clubhouse, lots of experience. He brought a, a certain level of exuberance to the club coming back and uh, being excited to, you know, see how far this team could go. And it turns out uh, it was no further than it did uh, in 2020. It won the same number of playoff games it's won uh, every season since 2016. So... Oof. Yeah, I mean, he got to be a part of it, though, and, and I'm happy he was. Happy trails. Uh, that's it. That's all I got that's to say. That's all. Yeah, moving on to a recap of arbitration. Our friend uh, Shai Davidi at Sportsnet says that uh, he get posted a nice little screenshot. He says the Blue Jays and Bo Bichette are headed to an arbitration hearing after failing to reach an agreement ahead of today's deadline. This, of course, was January the 13th. Uh, the club struck deals with its 11 other arbitration-eligible players. I'll just run down the list here. Kevin Biggio settled for $2.8 million. Adam Simber will make $3.15 this year. Santiago Espinal will make two point one. Vlad gets a nice raise, Patrick. He's up to 14.5. Danny Jansen's at 3.5. Tim Meza at 2.1. Trevor Richards settled at 1.5. Our closer Jordan Romano gets four point five three seven five million. <laughs> what a number! I'm not sure how they settled on that, but that's yeah, a fun one. Know. Eric Swanson's going to get one and a quarter in his first season with the Blue Jays. Trent Thornton will get one million even, 
and Dalton Varsho, the new Blue Jay, will get $3.05 million. Um, overall, I think the Blue Jays came out about even. Some players settled for less than what the projections were, and some were a little bit higher. But uh, nothing surprising here, in my opinion, for, for, for values. Um, obviously, Vladdy's value is going to keep increasing every year, and the team should sign him to a long-term extension soon. Hint, hint. Um, and, of course, yeah, the only player who did not settle was Bo Bichette. Um, this is an entirely normal thing. Players are not obligated to sign <laughs> their arbitration deals without going to a hearing. Uh, it sounds like there's a couple million dollars in difference between what Bo filed for and what the Blue Jays are looking for. Yeah, so, I mean, it's 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 a, a completely normal thing. I mean, people who are making a big deal out of this don't. It's, it's, a, bu it's a business decision. Um, it's not... <laughs> it's nothing. I mean, yeah, I I don't think that it's that there's that there's nothing that there that there's anything to worry about here. How how do you feel about it? Uh, well, for I want to go back uh, just to give some feedback when it comes to the eleven players who did settle. Uh, if you look at this, I I don't. There's a couple of overpays, but it's mostly on par or underpayments who do you think's an overpay cabin vigio yeah an that's overpay. a that's a service time thing mostly yeah uh i think that Ooh. i think jordan romano might be like a very 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 slight overpay um but the rest, I think those are the only two, and the rest are about on par. I think, oh, arguably Santiago Espinal 2.1 is an underpay, given that he was an all-star last year, and he that is uh, really an elite defender. Um, Danny at 3.5 is surprising. Feels like an underpay, given his service time. Um, Swanson seems like an underpay. He's only getting 250k more than Butters. All right. Uh, Dalton Varsho feels like an underpay as well. 3.05 million for a guy who can hit close to 30 home runs in a season. Again, that's that's, that's another service time thing. He's just over two yeah. years of service time into his big league career. But but yeah, based on the season he had last year, almost five F four. I mean, that's it's it's amazing that they still have another. They have 2024, 2025, and 2026. Three more years of control still with him. So, um, it's it's a it's a, a bargain. <laughs> You're right. There, it's just kind of interesting how it all kind of panned out, and I'm pretty impressed. Uh, Eleven out of twelve players uh, is great. Uh, some teams avoided it. Uh, I think 33 players total. Yep. Uh, were not able to come to an agreement with their team. So it's totally normal, it's normal. I yeah. think. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a sign that uh, the player wants more than what the team is offering, and they are entitled to, to want that. There's nothing saying yeah. that a player can't go to arbitration, and in my opinion, it's, it's probably a good thing if they do um, because then there's no 
I, I would say there's no grudges once you go to once you go through arbitration. It's 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 settled, right? Like it's it is what it is at that point. Yeah. Uh. It. I'll, what I'll say to uh, with regards to Bo is that you got to look at it like this. A lot of players in similar positions with similar numbers uh, got paid a lot of money during this off season. Bo saw that understands his value in the market and wants to push his salary higher sooner than free agency. So that way he really does capitalize on free agency when he hits it, uh, which is next year. If he hits it. If he hits it. But this really just signifies that Bo is aware of his value, it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to sign in Toronto. And it's it's not next year, by the way. He still has twenty twenty four and twenty twenty. Right. Oh, sorry, so my mistake. More, there's this is there's still two more years after this. Right. So there's still plenty of time to sign him to a long term deal. I'll say this though, the value we would get in trading him. Not that we want to do that, but if that if it were to come to that, I feel like if a deal does not get signed before uh his final year he will get dealt for value because he will get a king's ransom i disagree with that but i don't think I don't you think can disagree but we have five years now worth of evidence that ross atkins is a very intelligent and ahead of the curve general manager and if he knows he's not going to be able to sign Bo, he's not he'll deal him Maybe not at the start of a season, but he'll squeeze every drop of value out of Bo that he can if it's a certain thing that he's not going to sign. Okay. You, you don't agree? I, I don't agree. I don't think he Okay, go ahead. It, no. No, I let's... just don't. I don't understand why anyone would even want to entertain the idea of trading Bo. I, I, I still – I'm a believer that – Vladdy and Bo are not going to hit free agency. I think that they will be signed yep. prior to that. Yep. I think For that sure. next winter is the time that that will happen while yep. they both still have a couple of years left of arbitration. Yep. Um, because, yeah, like these salaries, like Vladdy's already at $14.5 million. He's, he's at least a $30 million a year player, at least, if not more, based on some of these deals that we've been seeing signed around baseball these past sure. couple of winters. So. I, I yeah I just I don't I don't buy in at all to the whole oh trade for value he's gonna hit I don't I just, I just don't see them hitting free agency either of them I don't think it gets to that point I agree but that being said if it got to a point where the Jays couldn't land a deal with either of them they were adamant they were not signing in Toronto mm, even if like a failure of the organization. Absolutely. I'm saying that if it reaches a point where there is no chance and the team is not an obscene level above 500 by the trade deadline, I I feel like you'd be stupid to lose that much value in, what, squeezing into the playoffs or possibly just missing it, not signing your perennial all-star shortstop. They're... I just feel like it would be it would be one of the biggest failures in the history of Major League Baseball, I think, to not 
trade a player when you know you're not going to sign them and you know you're not going to make the playoffs. It doesn't make any sense at all. It'd be so stupid. It'd be all unbelievably right. stupid. So you think if the Jays are 40 games below 500? I don't think they will be, though. I, I, I You know I don't like dealing in hypotheticals. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I don't do that. And I just, I just don't. It's not gonna happen. So, I'm not. I don't. I don't know how. To, I don't know how to put it into words. It's just a, if the Jays, if yeah. the Jays are, are don't are not competing for a division title when it comes time, and they know they're not signing him. You don't need you to win still a division to trade the playoffs, though. Like, so even if Bo says adamantly, like. In an interview, and that's in his final season before free agency. No, Bo is too smart. He would never say anything like that, though. (laughs) Because Bo understands, like, Bo's going to arbitration because he understands his value. If Bo says he's not restanding in Toronto, that lowers his value. Because then any team who wants to sign him wouldn't be worried about the Blue Jays beating them in an offer that's one team they can completely rule out Bo's never going to do that because he won't leave any money on the table nor should he no so, but that's... it's not foolish to say if you know for sure you're not going to sign your star player you don't like not to trade like you'd be dumb it happens all the time in every other major sport not always but most if you of, know right, you're not going to sign a player you yeah. know they're headed to free agency. Yeah, it's it's not happening. <laughs> I'm just saying, we it's it's a normal part of sports. If a player if you cannot sign a player, they will not sign. You already know this. No matter what they say in the media, if you know, you trade the player to get value, to get picks or to get prospects. It happens in every other major sport. It happens in baseball all the time. Look at what just happened last season. If Bo is not signed, the Jays are not going to be the outlier who are like, nah, we'll just, we'll keep him, knowing that we're not going to win with with him and we're losing him. That would be stupid. It would be monumentally stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. But <laughs> it's just I, I just don't think it's coming to that. I really don't. I don't know. But I can't be mad at Bo for uh, for seeking an no. arbiter. And I mean, looking at the numbers of what he's done as a shortstop recently, for players who have gone to arbitration, he's got by far the best numbers out of any of them. So, it's I just I can't even fathom what he will command in two years from now. Yeah, that's north that's of why, thirty. Yeah, that's the these the Vladdy and Bo deals are going to be. I'm not sure how long-term they'll be or how long-term they're looking for. Most players are signing these long deals now. Um, which is Into good. their 40s. Yeah, I mean, it's great for security. With, with Vladi and Bo still being so young, though, I mean, Bo's only 24. Vladi's 23. Like, they're not. I don't think they're going to sign a 17-year contract, you know? Like, it's... I can see them both being around 10 years, maybe say 10 years, 350 or something, you know, 35 million a year. I'm not sure. If I feel like in order, <laughs> I feel like in order to maximize value in this situation, if they're only getting 10 year deals, 
it'll be like 400 million it's going to be like an obscene number yeah and i mean we've we've seen rogers the blue jays are over the luxury tax threshold this season so i mean we know they're not afraid to do that if it means having a competitive team because competitive teams make you more money when you're winning for your phone bills to increase (laughs) yeah sorry rogers customers yeah your your phone and internet's gonna be (laughs) gonna cost you an arm and a leg but you know what it's all going to a good cause yeah it's going to a great cause deal with it um (laughs) yeah no i i i uh yeah i think i think you're right i think the deals will be big money maybe for a shorter term short shorter being like 10 years still um, I feel like I would say like if oh man it's it would be really hard as a it's player so to hard sign to, for prote- that. to project these these yeah. guys because of how young and how talented they are already like a lot of times you're seeing these 10-year deals with like 28 29 year olds right not guys who are not even 25 yet they'll both have birthdays before the season starts but still but will be 25 they're still, they're still <laughs> painfully young they're still triple A age in yeah. terms of development. That's how far yeah. they've exceeded players, yeah. the standard growth for a player. Mm-hmm. Is they both have like four hundred plus games under their belt, <laughs> and uh, I guess it would be close to four years service time. I didn't look it up before the episode, but uh, Bo has just over three. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's just absurd. The money that Rogers is going to have to fork over. I don't know. And what about Manoa? Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is if he keeps the Manoa up. of it all. Yeah, because Vladi, Vladi and Bo are both just over three years of service time. Vladi, um, Bo, Manoa, and Kirk. are the, Those are the four players you absolutely cannot let go to free yeah. agency. Yeah. Manoa is uh, still not a free agent until 2028. So he still has yeah. 2023, 2024, 25, 26, and 27. Five more years as a blue jay under, under yeah, he ain't going he's not even arbitration eligible until 2025 he still has two more yeah. years of his entry-level deal that which by the way he got a, he got a nice raise because um, the new collective bargaining agreement had the pre-arbitration bonus pool yeah so, I, so he got some money from that so i think he got like an extra two million um for the performance that he put in obviously being a cy young finalist and they're taking care of Alec Manoa. Yes, they're which taking is great. care it, of it's Alejandro r- Kirk. That was they're one of my one of my favorite things in the new CBA was that pre-arbitration bonus pool, so that you can actually see the guys, yeah. the young guys who are performing at a phenomenal level, get more than the penny, not necessarily pennies, but the low salary that they would be getting otherwise, because they are worth more than the entry level salary. <clears throat> Do you think that if we like, let's say the the boys all go to free agency, does that mean that the team has like fundamentally failed? Like the window is closed. Can this team win a World Series without Bo and Vladdy on the team? Uh, it depends who else is here by then. You know, like it's it, it's really tough to say that uh, to say no, but it's also tough to say definitively yes. I don't think you can say definitively yes. Just because of the fact that these guys are, for the most part, generational talents, you know, especially Vladdy, um, and Bo's and yeah. Bo's September of, of last year, August and September, like, is insane. One he hit four hundred too. Yeah. Yeah. So, what they're what they're both capable of is incredible. Um, 
so so yeah it's it's really tough to to say that they wouldn't be able to win a world series without them but i i wouldn't be able to confidently say they could so i feel like their chances to win a world series dramatically decrease without both on the team and if they're both not on the team that means they must be rebuilding and if they're rebuilding then it only makes sense to uh, you know to trade them yeah if there's no chance of signing them that's all i'm trying to say i'm not saying bo wants out of town or i want bo out of town it's not that at all blow it up it's that yeah it's no it's that if you can't everyone if it's i feel like it's a very significant sign if you cannot sign your star player who you're building a team around who you're like build like you're trying to keep the window open to contend and win world series if you can't sign that player, like you're done, like it's it's over. Rebuild. Get value out of that player while you can, and restart the process. It would be horribly painful. It'll be a disaster if that happens. But like you said, and I agreed with you, probably not happening. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's definitely a painful thought, and I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> Oh God! It just me. I can feel my acid reflux. <laughs> it's just like no, don't think about that. I mean, last year was stressful enough watching this team chug its way into September and be, you know, good but not great, and then only to turn the Jets on. Yeah. Come September first, that was nice. We went twenty-two and ten in our final thirty-two games, and Bo hit four hundred in those games. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't say he was the sole factor because I think our pitching was really what got us over the edge, but he was certainly a, a major factor in driving the offense and ha- has been since he came on the team. Definitely. It's scary to think about a life without Bo, and I don't want to think about it anymore. So let's talk about life potentially after Bo or during the hopefully, later years of hopefully Bo. Hopefully during for some of these guys. For yeah. a lot of these guys, it'll be during. For sure. So, yeah, we wanted to take a look. Uh, we've, we've done this in the past, do a bit of a farm report, but we're going to do things a little bit different this time around. We're each going to pick three players uh, in the, within the organization who obviously aren't at the big league level yet, three prospects. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to say really why we picked them, uh, what we're looking forward to watching them do this year, and what we'd like to see them improve upon from last season. Um, would you like to go first, Patrick, with one of your guys? Yes. Kay. Let's talk about Orelvis Martinez. Uh, Orelvis Martinez. He is a shortstop and third baseman that we have in our team. I believe he is the second or third ranked prospect. Second. In, second according to Pipeline, to, anyway. According to MLB Pipeline, yes. Uh, he's a 21-year-old shortstop third baseman. He plays... In New Hampshire for the Fisher Cats. Uh, We spoke about him many, many times during the past season. Uh, And in some ways, he had a terrific year. Uh, I'll talk about the good stuff first. Uh, What really impressed me about Orelvis Martinez is he has incredible power. Uh, He hit 30 home runs in 118 games uh, in double A. Uh, racking up 76 RBIs, uh, 57 runs scored, which is pretty terrific, and even had uh, six stolen bases, so there's a little bit of speed there. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of impressed with that. Uh, and for those of you who are math majors at home, uh, <laughs> that is a home run every <laughs> four games. Uh, and if you extrapolate that over 162 how many, games, uh, that's 41 home runs. What was this home run? Like how many at-bats per home run or plate appearances per home run? Do that one for me too. Uh, okay, 30 divided by 492 equals... Uh, that is a home run. Oh, should I do I multiply it by a hundred? Well, I mean, as long as you just just move the decimal point two places. The percentage six point zero nine, but the nine would be rounded up, so six point one percent of his plate appearances resulted in a home run. That's pretty good. You like That's that? That's pretty darn good. Uh, eight point one percent resulted in a walk, and twenty eight point five resulted <laughs> in a strikeout. That is less um, than ideal. Is less than ideal. Uh, his ISO, his ISO was uh, two four two, which is uh, notable. Um, mm-hmm. His batting average was two o three, just a little bit above the Mendoza line. OBP was solid. Obviously, you can extrapolate from his high walk, relatively high walk percentage, two eighty six OBP, slug of four forty six. So while his OPS was over 700, the batting average was really, uh, it's something that he's going to have to work on next season. Now he's a young 21. His whole season will be his age 21 season. It will be his fifth in the Toronto Blue Jays system. That's Uh, pretty crazy. It doesn't feel like he's been around that long. Well, he played a full season when he was 17 years old in rookie ball. Right. And then, obviously, 2020, uh, he had no uh, experience in the minor league system. Um, And then he moved to high A in 2021 and then double A in 2022. So, like, he's been on a steady path. What we've seen a noticeable drop-off in uh, since his uh, transition to high A was uh, his batting average has plummeted. Uh, so when you, you look at his stats, it's really concerning. Uh, the power is there. The extra base power is there. But unfortunately, the average is just he hit 197 in 2021. And we said in 2021, he had to come back. Or sorry, he hit 214. My apologies. In 2021, we said he's got to do better than that if he wants a promotion. He got the promotion anyway. And then he hit 203. Not great. Uh, disappointing. What I like about him, though, is the fact that he does still have, like, plus-plus power. He's already the best home run hitter in AA. Uh, he won't likely see a promotion from these numbers to AAA as a 21-year-old. I think he'll stay in AA for a season unless he really exceeds expectations. But... You got to start asking yourself, how important is power if the guy can barely hit over the Mendoza line? I still think Orelvis is a very attractive prospect. Um, I love the idea of him being a third baseman. Uh, He's not really a great fielder. No. Um, He's just a great home run hitter. And there's not really a place in baseball anymore for one-dimensional players. So, while there's lots to be excited about here, there is so much room for growth that really 
he could end up lavishing in double A for two or three seasons. I was going to ask you what you, where you thought he'd be. Uh, in 2022, he won't touch triple A. And if he does, it's because he's hitting like 270 or something. Well, 2022 obscene. is last year, so. <laughs> what did I say? You said 2022. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. 2023. Yeah, yeah we're living in the um, past year. <laughs> 2023, he won't, tu- he won't touch triple A. No yeah, there there would have to be astronomical improvement. I agree with it you. Would, his batting average would have to go up seventy five points. Yeah, the big thing for me, like you said, is while he's a great home run hitter, the WRC plus was ninety six. He was four percent below being an average player at his level. It's the strikeouts. It's yeah. the errors. Yeah. It's the well, WRC plus is offense only, but but yeah, um, there's a lot. Yeah, I'm saying overall as a player, like yeah. He, I don't see, they don't calculate, uh, war for minor leaguers. No. And I mean, uh, which is fine, but for him, he'd have, he'd have a, he'd probably be below one. I would say it would be negative, but he'd be below one. No, he'd be higher than that. The 30 home runs alone would. Yeah. But the, the low batting average and the high strikeouts and the low OBP, those would work against him quite a lot. See, I don't think. Well, he did drive in 76 runs in AA, and he made the Fisher Cats better than they would have been without him. He didn't. He didn't add a, like a tremendous. He didn't add an overwhelming amount of value, you know, because of the defense. But yeah, I don't know. I like the breakdown. Nice job. Well, there. I'm just taking a quick look to see if Baseball Reference has WAR. They don't. They don't value. calculate WAR for minor leaguers. They don't calculate it either. It's so okay. it's so difficult because there's so many different leagues like you have the eastern league you have the southeast league or whatever you know it's just it's it would be difficult because uh there's there's not uh you don't play everybody in the minors you just play in your within your own league we have yet to see the baseball america 2023 rankings if i'm not mistaken same with mlb and i think baseball america just came out because tiedemann was the only blue jay in the top 100 Okay, that means that Orelvis dropped at more than 25 spots because he was pre-2022 in Baseball America. As he should have, to be honest. MLB, he was pre-2022 ranked number 38. I don't think we've seen those rankings. No, not yet. Uh, The MLB pipeline, I don't see him dropping out of the top 100 uh, just because he had such a... uh, He'd have to drop 60-plus spots, and I've never seen that before. Baseball prospectus, I don't believe they have theirs yet. Yeah. Um, it's He dropped big time. He dropped, but he I don't think he'll drop off the MLB top 100, but it'll still be like a heavy drop off. Yeah. Uh, I like him. I, I'm not ready to throw, uh, to, to throw him out in a trade, like to try to boost no. our the, the tools are the, still there. You know, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah the tools are still there. This is a very important season for him. He's going to spend the entirety of it at Double A unless he hits seventy-five points above last year's average, which he—that's that, a tall order for any player. Yeah. In any league, so let's see what happens. I have less to say about my next guy. Uh, I'll just run through all three of them. Sure. Brandon Barriera. Barry—it's not Barriera. Is that correct? I Did I get it right on the first Bur- name? Yeah, I don't know. Barriera? I think it's just Barriera. 
He was our first round pick uh, in last year's draft. He's a lefty. He's going to be a big boy starting pitcher. He's entering our system at age 19. I expect him to start in uh, low A next season. Um, I just I love the idea of drafting a left-handed hurler in the first round. He's pretty much straight out of high school, isn't he? He sure was. He's only yeah, so like low, low A or rookie is probably reasonable. I don't know about rookie. They might, they might push him a tiny bit for a low A. And I mean, there's just so little data on this kid that there's not even a Fangraphs page, for, or, or it's like it's empty. There's nothing to work off of. This is a brand new player, no stats to look at. But what I like about him is that he is a left-handed pitcher, and we desperately need left-handed starters in Toronto. Um, we saw great success when we had multiple left-handed starters in our rotation. And now we only have one, and he's definitely the worst out of the five. And I, I just think I'm old school. I like the mix and match. I like having going righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty. I like annoying managers with <laughs> happiness to change their lineup slightly. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm very interested to see what he does. I have There's no data for me to work with. It's just, I I think the draft is cool because it's more of a crapshoot than it is in almost any other sport. There seem, because it's it goes on for so long, right? There's like 50 rounds or something obscene. There's so many rounds. Or there used to be anyway. But I like what this, what this signals to me, I think, is they're, they're getting ready to invest heavily in young pitchers, and we're seeing it with others in the system, like uh, Ricky Tiedemann, who I'm sure is on your list of three, but I'm only guessing because you didn't tell me. <laughs> uh, my last guy I want to talk about is a guy that we very unfairly wrote off uh and he definitely proved us wrong uh he is uh the dutch uh starter sam roberts he is in double a now he's he got the promotion he this will be his uh age 21 season so this will be his uh fifth no sixth sorry in the system which is pretty impressive uh he started when he was uh, 17 uh, last year in his age 20 season uh, he was great in high a he earned himself the promotion partway through the season uh, and then he started five games in double a and he took a bit of a beating uh, what i like about him a lot is the fact that uh, if you look at his performance he does not give up a lot of home runs as a starter that's a great starting point uh, he Strikes out a decent number. It's not like a crazy number. Um, he limits walks. Uh, he, he can get you ground balls. Um, I'm very interested to see how his stuff plays in a full year of double A where he won't have to, you know, make the major adjustment right in the middle of the season. He'll have a whole year of double A. And at 21, he's already a couple of years ahead of normal development for a starter. Uh, he's a righty, and I believe he is sixth, according to MLB Pipeline, 
in our top 30 prospects. So yes, that's right. I don't know. I We kind of wrote him off. We didn't really think very much of him. We didn't think that he was going to stick around, um, probably because uh, he had, did not have a great 2021, and he proved us wrong. He had a great bounce back. He didn't look great in double A, but again, 24 innings. We can't really, that's a small sample size. Can't be mad at him uh, for that. If we look at his, his single A, I think that's more indicative of, of his success. So he's developing quite nicely and I'm excited to see how he does in double A a full season next year. Yeah, no, I like the picks. Those are three solid players to go with. Um, yeah, we we kind of did reverse dirty a little bit. <laughs> but we did. I, I'm I glad thought he, he would get. Around. I thought he was going to get dealt, and then by the end of the year, I was I was hoping that he would not be traded because I'd like to see him develop a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he'll turn out to be, but I think it'll be an MLB player. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he's his birthday's in October, so I mean, he's he's still has a long time to go. He'll have another full year as age twenty one, right? So. Yeah, yep. you picked you picked three super young guys. Um, I'm also doing relatively the same. I will start with Ricky Tiedemann, though. He's <laughs> you can't do one of these without talking about him. Of course, the only Blue Jay in the baseball um, America top 100. I think he was like 31st overall, something like that. He was the yeah. second ranked left-handed pitcher though in the MLB prospect pool. So that's something to write home about. Number one on the Blue Jays list, age 20. Uh, this guy was absolutely incredible last year. Another lefty, so the Blue Jays' two top starting prospects are both lefties. Tiedemann started in low A Dunedin. I guess it's just not low A. It's just A Dunedin now last year, Patrick, and pitched 30 innings there. Then he got promoted to Vancouver to high A, pitched another 30, 37 innings there, and then ended up finishing up with four games at double A. So uh, just absolutely, absolutely incredible. The guy just turned 20 in August. So he was 19 for most of the season and went from A ball to double A in one year. And this was only um, his, this is his first year actually pitching in the system as a guy who was drafted in 2021 in the third round. Uh, the ETA on him is next year, 2024. There is an outside shot that he gets a promotion to the Blue Jays this year. Although I don't know if I see it happening People are kind of comparing his rise to Alec Manoa, where Manoa just he pitched his way onto the onto the team. Manoa was older; he was a college guy. Tiedemann was not a college guy. No, Tiedemann's like four years younger than He's him. He's only twenty right now. Manoa's already twenty-five, I believe. So, um, yeah, Manoa just turned twenty-five. His birthday was a couple of weeks ago. Um, about four and a half i think years older yeah it, it's it's a Something it's like a that. big difference and they're also different body styles like like tiedemann's a big guy he is 6'4 220 but manoa is like 6'5 like 270 or something crazy 260 like manoa is just built like a brick shit house. <laughs> whereas tiedemann is a big guy but he's but he's not like super wide he's he's got, he's got some length to him um Lefty again, we love that. A 60-grade fastball, we love that. This guy, he misses bats, Patrick. Like He, he sits around 95, 96 with the fastball pretty quick for a lefty. And he just he strikes out a lot of batters. So last year in 78 and two-thirds innings, he had 117 strikeouts and only walks 29. 
And the kicker for me is he only gave up three home runs the whole season. Two of them were at high A and one of them was at Dunedin. In the 11 innings he pitched in double A, he did not give up a home run. Um, and, I mean, he limits walks. Like, this guy, for his age, has incredible control. Uh, he's striking out around 12 batters per nine innings across those three levels if you put the stats together. And, I mean... <laughs> What more can you say? It's just he keeps the ball on the ground. He His ground ball rates in both uh, Dunedin and, and Vancouver were around 45%. New Hampshire was actually higher, but it was only 11 innings, so we won't really read into that too much. But he's he's a lefty with, with bat-missing stuff who gets ground balls. You'll love to see it. Um, one thing that I would like to see him do, I'm not necessarily better, but I, I'd love to see how many innings he can throw this year he just threw 78 and two-thirds in his first pro season i'd love to see him get to like that 120 130 mark not quite double it this year but get close because that to me would signify that come 2024 he's ready to be a major leaguer if his if his stats and his development continue to be as impressive as they were last year in 2023 um, that'll earn him a promotion to AAA. I think he'll start at AA as the only, th- I mean, he's 20 years old. He'll start at AA. And I could see a, a midseason call up to Buffalo being more than a possibility at this point for him. Um, just uh, the hype train is real for this guy. And if you have a chance to, to watch him or see, catch some highlights, I would definitely recommend checking them out. Um, there's probably some on YouTube. But, yeah, take a look at Ricky Tiedemann. He's coming. Coming soon. The next guy on my list, I'm going to go to... I got two position players, actually. Um, I want to talk about Tucker Toman. He's a Blue Jay draft pick, Patrick, from 2022. We just picked him uh, 20th overall, or the second round, 77th overall uh, by the Blue Jays. He was... uh, His dad was a college coach, (laughs) He currently is the Middle Tennessee State uh, head coach there. Uh, so Tucker Toman's another guy who's kind of just grown up around baseball. Um, he signed for well above slot value at that 77th pick. $2 million was his signing bonus. He's 19 years old. He just turned 19 in November. So he's a, he'll be 19 for this entire year. 2003 birthday. That's crazy to think that kids born in 2003 are like 19 years old already. But I don't know, I'm just get, we're getting old. But this guy, he actually did debut last year, too. So he was drafted and debuted in the same year. He debuted with the Blue Jays rookie uh, complex team down in Florida. Only got into 11 games for 38 at-bats. But in those games, he um, was able to hit 289 with a 391 on base for a 759 OPS. No home runs in that time, but again, only 38 at-bats. Did have three doubles, seven walks, and 12 strikeouts. What I'm looking for in him this year would be power. I want to see what this kid can do in a full season. He'll probably be in Dunedin. He's just so young. <laughs> He'll start in Dunedin or even the complex again. And I want to see how what, what kind of power he has. And I want to see what, how his plate discipline will uh, extrapolate over a full season. I, d- I want to see if he's got the patience that he showed in those 38 at-bats or if he'll land somewhere closer to Elvis Martinez, and hopefully hopefully not. 
Uh, this guy's a, another middle or left side of the infield guy. Drafted as a shortstop, plays third base as well. So we'll watch for him and see how he continues to develop over there. Uh, not much to say about him because he's just so so new. Doesn't have a lot of a lot of time under his belt. My final guy is a guy who was actually left exposed in the Rule Five draft this year, but because he hadn't played above High A Vancouver, he didn't get picked up by a team. He's 20 years old. His birthday is in July, so he'll turn 21 this year. Gabriel Martinez, outfielder. He's the highest-ranking outfielder on the uh, Blue Jays' top 30. He is at 10 or ninth overall on the top 30 right now, according to MLB Pipeline. Six feet, 170 pounds. So he's not a super big guy, but what he does is he gets on base. Patrick, this guy last year uh, hit 293 with a 355 on base uh, and a 477 slug that was good for an 832 OPS. He went from the complex league to Dunedin to Vancouver. So like Tiedemann, he moved up three levels and he actually improved his numbers at every level, which is absolutely phenomenal. His average went from, he only played in 10, 10, at, 10 at bats in the complex league, but he only had one hit there. He hit 288 in Dunedin and then 324 in Vancouver. Um, he hit uh, 23 home runs last year. Oh, sorry, 14 home runs. I was looking at his doubles. He hit 23 doubles, 14 home runs. And he, yeah, he just, he's just a really phenomenal contact guy with some pop. We love the extra base power there. I would take uh, over 350 at-bats, uh, 14 home runs. Say you give him 600 at-bats, it would be 22, 23 home runs, close to 40 doubles. That's solid production. I'm curious to see how he fills out, if he does get gain a little bit of weight, if that will increase his power at all. Um, not a guy who's going to steal a bunch of bases for you, though. He stole only stole four last year, so don't get too excited about that. <laughs> I know how much you like a stolen base, but uh, this guy, he hits right-handed. Oh, I, I forgot to mention Tucker Toman's a switch hitter, by the way. Um, so that's also fun. But uh, Gabe Martinez is a righty, plays the outfield, hits for average, hits a little bit of power. Another free agent signing back in 2018. So he's been at the Blue Jays for four years already since he signed as a 16-year-old. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he'll continue um, to develop. And really what I'm looking for him... Uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't sure even what he can improve upon this year, but I want to see him just maintain the level that he did in, in, uh, 2022. And I, I would, I would guess he's going to get an aggressive push and I, I could see him studying a double A as a 20 year old. I could see him joining Elvis Martinez on that team. So that'd be, that'd be my kind of prediction for him. Yeah. Those are my three guys. One thing I'm noticing about our picks here they're all much younger than the average age of a player at double a or triple a do you think it's be fair to say justin that we have reached the point where our farm system is at its absolute thinnest and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we, well, obviously we've seen an obscene number of graduations, but also players have been traded away for value. Like obviously Simeon Woods Richardson, Austin Martin go to Minnesota and we get Jose Barrios. There's a slew of other trades that I, I can't think of off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's fair to say that we are, 
we're seeing the farm. The farm is, is pretty thin. Now, these are all good, pl very good players that we yeah. have discussed today, but a lot of them are also... They're unproven. Unproven. Most of them, if not all of them, are under 23. Every player uh, that we picked was, yeah. The oldest yeah. would have been Robert at 20... Or, or, or Elvis Martinez and Robert at uh, 21. <laughs> I would say I would say we're at the point now where Toronto's... The quality of Toronto's farm system is probably bottom three in the league and that's not a criticism of the players it's no. the fact that there have been so many graduations yeah because they like, was good they were good players <laughs> like just graduated. just to run through the numbers here for you not even including gabriel Mourinho, who is no longer on the team uh Bo, vladdy kirk, uh kirk manoa manoa yeah um they're all under 25. Yeah. Which is the average age of a AAA player. Mm -hmm. They were all so good that they graduated uh, long before the average player. But they're all obviously above average. Even players like Santiago Espinal are, are not really that old. Uh, nor really is Danny Jansen's only, what, 27, 28? Something like that, yep. And he's the oldest. Cavan. He's an old man. Cavan was a teammate of, of Bo and Blatty. Yeah, and double and, A. Yeah, like they're a majority of our team is Yeah, Espinal spent some time in the system when he came over from Boston in the Steve Pierce trade. Guriel spent time in the system when he was signed as a free agent from Cuba. Graduated very fast though. I believe he was the first to graduate. Yeah, he was a bit he... older than the other guys and obviously had yeah. played baseball professionally in cuba already so but yeah no definitely um still spent some time in the system so i mean there's what i'm getting said. at what i'm getting at though is that while yes uh when it comes to the the prospect pool this is as thin as it's been probably in like 15 years for the jays but that's because there have been so many graduations that we have a team that can make it to the playoffs and be competitive and a majority of the team is like 28 or younger and people really need to understand that by the time all these other players reach the age of free agency or we do sign them to long-term deals we'll already have drafted or developed players to come next the way that atkins and shapiro have uh masterfully rebuilt our system here is that while our farm system is the weakest it's been in, in probably two decades, I mean, it's pretty darn close, um, this is like the best put-together team on paper that we've had Yes. in that amount of time. And it's going to look pretty much the same a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, there's only a few players that we have to make a decision on in the long term. Matt Chapman is one of them. And then the rest of them have a couple of years of arbitration left before we have to pony up. So by the time we get to that, we'll already be three years into refilling the prospect pool. So this team will be contending at the same time that its prospect pool will be refilling. 
Yep. So that's how the good teams do it. Look at the Dodgers. They they do so well in the draft and in the international signings. And the Blue Jays have been more active in the international pool really since the Vladdy days. So. Yeah, they signed a whack of players uh, yep. that were really exciting. Uh, and we'll, I think we talked about that last time. But Yeah, we might have. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, I can't remember either. But what I'm getting at is that even though right now it's it's frustrating that we don't have the, you know, the top prospect pool in baseball anymore, it's because all those players graduated. And we don't have the money or the resources that the Dodgers have, which is near infinite. That's why they're the best farm system in MLB. That's why they're, uh, you know, they have tens of millions of dollars well remember that teams do there is a there's a cap on international there is for international and you can actually trade money from that bonus pool as well so which is kind of cool the jays probably since near the end of the anthopolis era leading into the full atkins era Mm -hmm. and atkins and shapiro era they the international pool is where they have gone yeah, many, many times. Alejandro Kirk is an international free agent. Guriel was an international free yeah. agent. Guerrero was an international. Guerrero was Martinez. Yeah, Gabe Martinez. Yeah. yeah. A lot of players, and a lot of players we still have uh, in our pool, our prospect pool, or in yeah, our. Sam Roberts is an international free agent from the Netherlands. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen a shift in how this team refills and reloads. And the money that they invested in the international prospects last week or the week before, I can't remember when it was, signifies to me that they are thinking uh, they're already in motion of investing in uh, finding these players where other teams may not necessarily see the same value. We've got good scouts and it's it's starting to pay off. I don't think we've even reached the peak yet of this system working effectively. But this team went from having almost jack shit in value uh, coming out of the two ALCS performances, mm-hmm. uh, seeing all those older players decline and, and not getting very much for them, to drafting, loading up on players. Some of them worked out. Some of them were traded. Some of them did not pan out. Uh, most of them graduated, and now we have this team that is really strong. And I think that it may be discouraging for people to see Ricky Tiedemann being the only top 100 prospect. You have to understand, in one or two or three years from now, it's going to be a different story. These things ebb and flow. And Yeah, yeah look at this the... Team- in the like Brandon Barea and Tucker Toman, between them, like... Bria hasn't even debuted yet, and Toman has 38 at bats, and they're third and fourth yeah. in our system. Those guys are guys who could rapidly shoot up the prospect rankings. So, and and those are just that's just now. Yeah. With three years of contention, we don't have to like we're obviously we're going like ideally, uh, we're not going to have high draft picks for a long time. Yeah. We're going to be drafting in the first and second round, just like every other team is, but. And there, it's just as much a crapshoot. But we will be contending for World Series at the same time that our farm system will be top 10, top 5. The reload will happen faster. And that's the way it's designed to be. It's So that way, you're always contending instead of being all in, which is what happened in 2015 and 2016. Yeah. 
Uh, Atkins and Shapiro did this in Cleveland, and look at them now. Cleveland are phenomenal. They've made it to the playoffs, I think, four out of the last six seasons or four Something out of the last like five seasons. And the one season they didn't make the playoffs – Aside from the their losing one, that was 2021, I think it was, or something like that. Um, they won 93 games, yeah. which would be enough to get you into the playoffs yeah. uh, most, years. most years. So they set up that system in Cleveland, and they're reaping the rewards of it. Now, granted, they've traded a lot of players away and... Um, but you know, they, they the Atkins... that's that's the type of groundwork that you lay in a successful system though that, that they keep the same practices when you leave so exactly so there's no like right now we should be very content with the fact that while our prospect pool is thin and there's less exciting wow jumping off the page prospects the guys we've highlighted today ha not only have the potential to jump off the page in a year or two years or three years from now by the time they're ready, we'll still be contending. And they're only going to make the team better. So this is how you do it. And I think this was the thing that the Toronto Blue Jays organization was missing for so many years. And hopefully now that we've highlighted it tonight, you've had the opportunity to kind of look at some of these players a little bit differently. And I got to say... If you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, you should be super pumped about the future. Yeah, well, with that being said, we'll wrap things up there. Uh, if you like what we do, give us a follow on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can DM or tweet us any questions or topics for the show. You can listen on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find every episode at BFMDPodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, if you like what we do, share the episodes on your social media feeds and leave us a review wherever you listen. For Patrick out in Halifax, it's Justin here in Saskatoon. We will see you next time. Bye.